<clears throat> we're in Zechariah chapter 10 uh, this, this evening, and so we are also in the last section of the book of Zechariah, as I shared with you last week, that we've gotten into this portion of, uh, of the book of Zechariah that has to do with the prophecies concerning the end of Israel's age and the return and reign of Christ. So we're, we're at that place that, again, as I shared with you, I think even last week, I was so intimidated by this young prophet uh, and his book. And I think it was because of this portion especially that we're in. And so I'm like studying and studying going, Lord, how do I do this? How do I make, how, how do I do it justice, you know? And so again, man, I, I, I just, I'm just going to share with you what the Lord shares with me. And there's probably some of you guys that are going, man, I would have taught that 10 times better. Well, pin a rose on your nose for that. Maybe one day you'll get to teach it. <laughs> but right now I'm up here. <laughs> But chapters 9 and 10 uh, refers, for the most part, to the first advent, the first coming of Jesus. And, and it kind of stresses the theme of, of what would happen before he got here, the rejection that he would, that he would go through. But it, but it kind of outlines for us this prophetic history, um, and, and it takes us kind of towards the end of the of, of times, you know, and in the last three chapters, twelve to fourteen, it focuses mainly on the second coming of uh, of Christ, the second advent, that that kind of just emphasizes the enthronement of the commencement, the inauguration, the beginning, if you will, of the grand finale of Israel's history. Although some of the the things uh, speak of things that that were happening in the days of, of Zechariah and his time because he's prophesying some of these things. And, and again, it's looking into the far future, but some of them are, 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 are in the near future. And some of them will happen even in his, in his time frame, so to speak. But, but, but we have some of the immediate fulfillments of what he is sharing and some of the future fulfillments. Um, it's interesting because in those 500 years or so that where he's writing from, from about 518 to the time that Jesus comes the first time, there were some regathering of Israel because they had been gone for 70 years and they had just been scattered all over the place. Yes, they had been taken up to Babylon. Uh, the northern kingdom had been taken up to Syria. And so from there, they, they, they sent them to different areas. And so they had been scattered for all those years. <clears throat> and it was taking quite some time, even though they were allowed to come back. Not all of them had come back at the same time. I, I think when we were going through Ezra, about 50,000 initially came back. But there were still hundreds of thousands that had not come back. And so they were still up there. And so they were coming here and there. And so there was this regathering that was taking place. And so some of the things that we're looking at were present times of God regathering and bringing his people back. But we've also seen throughout, throughout history that some people were still out there, but they'd come. 
They've come to visit. It's interesting because we just kind of finished Acts chapter 2 on Sunday mornings. And at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, when we were going over the day of Pentecost and when they started speaking in other languages, there was Jews there from other countries, from other locations, other regions that, again, they hadn't come back to Jerusalem, but they were Jews nonetheless. But they would come to visit on those feast days. And so, again... And they were all scattered throughout the known world. And so they'd come back here and there. Last week, we looked at things that happened about 300 years or 200 years after this writing in the 300s, if you will, when we're talking about Alexander the Great. And then towards the end of that chapter, there were some other things that were happening and most suggest that it happened around the Maccabean times, around the 100s, 160-ish BC, that that things were happening. Uh, Again, uh, it's just from historians that would write things like that that says, wow, this could have fit right there. And so again, we're seeing things happening that, that, that Zechariah had preached about or, or shared about. And so we're in Zechariah chapter 10. Let's read the first eight verses. We'll camp out there for a while. In verse 1, he says, Ask the Lord for rain. In the time of the latter rain, the Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. For the idols speak delusion. The diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore the people waned their way like sheep. They are in trouble because they ha- there is no shepherd. My anger is kindled against the shepherds and I will punish the goat herds. For the, for the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them as his royal horses, horse in the battle. From him comes the cornerstone, from him the, the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every ruler together. They shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be put to shame. I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have mercy on them. They shall be as though I had not cast them aside, for I am the Lord their God, and I will hear them. Those of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their hearts shall rejoice as if with wine. Yes, their children shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them, and they shall increase as they once increased. The prophecy that is being spoken of here in this chapter kind of 
is, is directly tied to the chapter that we just read last week. In other words, it's just a continuation of where we left off. And so I want to go back to verse 14 of the previous chapter and just bring us right into verse 1, just to kind of get the feel of how this is just kind of flowing. And so in verse 14 of the previous chapter, it says, Then the Lord will, uh, will be seen over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will bow or blow the trumpet and go uh, with whirlwind from the south. The Lord of hosts will defend them. They shall devour and subdue the sling stone. They shall drink and roar as if with, new, with wine. They shall be filled with blood uh, like basin, like the corner of the altar. The Lord... Their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people, and they shall be like a jewel of the crown, lifted like a banner over his land. For how great is its goodness and how great its beauty. Grain shall make the young men thrive, and new wine the young women ask the Lord for rain. In the time of the latter rain, the Lord will make flashing clouds. He will bring the sh them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. And so we can see how it, it, it's just kind of picking up what he had just been sharing at the end uh, that we didn't get to cover a lot of last week. But, but the fact of the matter is that that whole theme that as he is sharing that God will be their defense. God will be the one that comes to their rescue. God will be the one that kind of fights for them and kind of uses them to win these battles. And, and, and he goes before them. And, and just some of the language that is being used in, in the, these, these verses that I just read to you uh, from verse uh, 14, chapter 9, through our, our, our words that, that again, that, that he, he, his arrows will go like lightning. The bow, he will blow the trumpet, the whirlwind, the defense, and the, the, the sling. So he, he's talking about all these things that, would, that, that, that kind of conjure up a, a battle, but there's, there's victory through this battle that is happening. And he is the one that's using his people to, to, to have victory over these things. And so when he gets to verse 1 of chapter 10... He starts off by saying, ask the Lord for rain. Ask the Lord for rain. And, and, and that word ask has just reminded me of when Jesus says in Luke 9, or Luke 11, 9 and 10, he says, so I ask you, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who, who asks receives and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. And so the, the reminder that I had here is just the fact that God is asking his people to ask of him. The, the, the reference here is, is the strengthening of Judah and Ephraim, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, if you will. The people in Zechariah's day were being encouraged to ask to seek, to knock, if you will. And I love the fact that the nation of Israel is much like the, the state of California. The topography is almost the same. The climate is, is, is almost the same in a lot of ways. Like Israel, we need rain. Without rain, we have what? Drought. 
You know, we've been having a lot of rain and we kind of love it, but some of us are going, okay, enough rain, you know, but, but we need rain for our, our state here, not like some other places that get floods and stuff, and you're going, man, we just want to truck water from over there over here so we don't have these drain, these droughts and stuff like that. Well, Israel's the same way. It needed rain. It needed rain, but they couldn't make it rain. They had to be obedient to the Lord so that he would bring the rain. And yet, in this instance, he's telling them, ask for rain. And not only that, ask for the latter rain. In other words, go for it. Don't just, don't just ask for, for this. Ask for that. Ask for all of it. And I think, again, man, just kind of talking to some of the people I was talking, talking to earlier, and, and the Lord just kind of laying on my heart to go, hey, just ask me tonight. Just ask me for a healing. Ask me for a touch. Ask me for a miracle. Ask me for whatever you want, Zeke. And I'm going, okay, Lord, then we're going to ask. We're going to come before you because we're your kids. If you told your people back then, hey, you need rain, and, I, and, and if I withhold it from you, then you get no rain. But ask me for rain. And I kind of find it interesting because God, God is the one that causes the, the how, how it says here, he makes flashing clouds. He, he makes the thunder. He makes the clouds. He makes the rain. He does all of those things. He is the one that controls all of those things. The storm clouds, the lightning, and all of those things, they happen to his people. It's kind of interesting because even in those days back then, God had told his people, if you are obedient to me, I will give you what you need. But if you're not obedient to me, then I will withhold what you need even. And in Deuteronomy chapter 11, he says to them, uh, verses 13 to 17, and it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then I will give you the rain for the land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up the heavens so that there is no rain and the land yields no, no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Not too long ago, me and my wife were talking as we were driving and, and we're talking about situations like this. Does the Lord still do stuff like that? And I just have to say, yeah, he does. Why, why do we go through what we go through as a country? I don't know, maybe because we're not obedient to the Lord. Now, I was, I was saying, you know, a, a big preacher or whatever, he can't say that on national TV. It's like, oh, these crazy Christians. They think that God controls all. It's like, he actually does, you know? <laughs> But I think he withholds, even today, some of the things that, 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 that we need because of our disobedience. And again, he encourages us to ask him, to seek him, to knock, and it shall be open. And it's interesting because he's telling the nation of Israel to do this, but in verse 2, he, he ends up saying, For the idols speak a derision, the diviners envision lies. 
and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. The people, therefore, the people weighed their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. See, the shepherds for the nation of Israel were their priests. They were, they were supposed to obey the priests because the priests were the ones that represented God to them. The priests were the ones that represented the people to God. And yet the priests were being disobedient as we've seen throughout the history of Israel. There were good priests, there were bad priests. There was priests that were following after God. There, were God, there was priests that were worshiping other idols. And it's interesting because God's going, hey, I need you to ask me. I want to hear from you. I want you to ask me anything you want. And we know that, right? But why in the world do we start doing everything else, seeking everything else before we even seek God? We're asking of every other thing. And I'm not saying that we can't go ask doctors, we can't ask for, for advice. But, but why is it that we don't run to God first and foremost and trust Him with everything? Again, there, there's nothing wrong with, with, with seeking counsel, but I think oftentimes people are more concerned with the counsel than they are with what God already says. God has already said to us, ask. He's already told us to come to Him first. And He had told that to the nation of Israel, and yet the nation of Israel, they were going after these idols who couldn't speak, who couldn't hear, who couldn't see, who couldn't move, and yet they're asking them for advice, for direction. They, they were going after these diviners, these mediums, these, these people that were spirits, uh, uh, spiritists or whatever the word is that, that conjured up different things. And, 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 and he says, they're telling you lies. They're giving you false dreams. They're giving you comfort that's in vain. And because of that, the people are just wandering about as if they have no shepherd. The Lord knew, He understood the, tensity, the, 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 the tendencies, the propensities, the proclivities of His own people, that, that even though He encouraged them to knock and to seek and, 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 and to, to ask, He knew that they would go after other idols. And that's why He would spell it out for them directly as we just read in Deuteronomy. Hey, if you obey me and do, do as I ask you, man, I will send the rain in due season all the time. But if, but if you don't, <laughs> I will withhold from you. And I think oftentimes as Christians, we're wondering, why isn't God moving in my life? And you're going, I don't know, how obedient have you been lately? Uh, not too obedient. Then why, should, why in the world should he act on your behalf? If, if we're not going to spend that time with him, then why shouldn't he just go, maybe I'm not that important to you. You just go on with your bad self, and then when you scrape your knee and when you fall down, you come running back to me, and I will answer you. But if you want to go do your own thing, go on with your bad self. Go do it. And, and so many times, we, you know, I, because I get to talk to a lot of people, you, you end up talking to people, and you're going, it's, it's right here, guys. <laughs> Be obedient. How obedient have, have you been? God, God desires obedience still today. Not just from the nation of Israel. But He wants obedience from His people. I was talking to somebody the other day that came in for, for some counseling. And I, I was telling him, I said, you know how, what you want most from your kids is love and obedience, huh? Well, yeah, it's like, that's exactly what God wants from you too, bro. Love and obedience. 
and a consistent love and obedience. Not just when you're in trouble like today, you know. <laughs> it's like, help. It's like, I don't know where you've been lately, you know. It's like, well, not here, not in, not in the Word. It's like, maybe that's where you should be instead of sitting in front of me. <laughs> but, but, but again, God is saying, come to me and I will give you what you need. I will give you what you need. Again, speaking of, of, of rain, you know, he's talking about the physical rain, what they truly needed, but oftentimes there's a spiritual element to that as well because oftentimes the, the Holy Spirit is spoken of in terms of rain in the Old Testament that we see that God just pours them out, you know, and things like that. And, and so God had promised that he would one day pour out his Spirit on Israel. And we'll see that in, in chapter 12. And he will bring about repentance in their lives and, and they will come to, to, to know the Lord God. They will come to know Christ. Um, again, that's alluding to the second coming. But again, those promises are there that he's asking them to come, to come to him. But they're seeking these, these idols. They're seeking these, divine, uh, the, these diviners and these mediums and stuff. They're going after other things and asking of them before they ask of God. And God is saying, no, come to me. It's interesting because he calls these, or, or he says that his people, when they're doing these things, they look like they're, they have no shepherd. And, and, and not that God has stopped being their shepherd, they just have been wandering away and doing their own thing. And, and when, when a sheep wanders away to do his own thing, then there's a danger that the shepherd can't get to him at, in time. But if, 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 if the, the, the sheep continues to wander, he just kind of lets him go until he gets hurt and then he brings him back, you know? He, he, he had, God has a heart for his people when they have gone astray. It's interesting because in, 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 in Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus is looking at the multitudes, he said, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he has done this with the nation of Israel for so many years, man. He, he, can, he, he continues to call them his flock, his people, and yet, at times, they were wandering about as if they had no shepherd. And yet, what they were doing, they were going after other uh, shepherds that were not good for them. They weren't taking them to the green pastures. They weren't feeding them properly. They weren't taking care of them. They were being disobedient. And mainly because a lot of times their priests were disobedient. And if the priests were disobedient, then these people are probably going, well, that's, that's who I'm following which is a dangerous thing. Israel, in the latter days, again, they, they, they will be scattered all, all around and wandering as if they have no shepherd. And one day God will call them back. And again, we've seen throughout history many of the regatherings of, of them coming, but oftentimes we see them scattered. I, I was listening to somebody the other day and they were saying that most Jewish people, even the ones that live in Israel, man, they're, they're agnostic and or atheists. They're not even seeking the God of Israel right now. And you're going, man, you know, we're all like, man, I wish I could visit Israel. They live there, man. And it's like, eh, whatever, you know. But man, oh man. Um, and so at this time of this writing, they were actually in a good place. 
um, again, but they'd go through these patterns, these cycles uh, of, 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 of being with God, not being with God. And all the while, though, God, the, the, the children of Israel never stopped being God's flock. Even when they were being disobedient, he always had his hand upon them. But in verses 3 to 5, it talks about how his anger will be, will be kindled against the shepherds and he will punish the, the, the goat herders um, and, and the, the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and he will uh, and make them um, his, his royal horse in the battle. Um, as, as we've read about the Lord of hosts, that, that he is a zealous God. He is a jealous God for his people. And he will punish those who come and hurt his people. He will defend his people all the time. And if he does that with the nation of Israel, I could guarantee you he does that to his church as well. He takes care of his bride. And he will come against those who cause his people to sin. I know that the people, again, they had a choice to, to, to follow after God. Um, but again, they had their leaders, their shepherds, their, their, not just the, the religious leaders, but their civic leaders throughout the, the kings and, um, and, and their priests that would oftentimes go off the reservation, if you will, and, and not taking care of them and not leading them in the ways that, that God wanted to them. But I love the fact that, again, as he is, is, is conveying here with us that, that again, he's asking them to knock, or not to knock, but to, to ask. And, and yet he, he condemns the false teachers, the, the, the evil uh, uh, shepherds. And yet he promises them in verse 3, he says, For the Lord of hosts will visit his flock. Again, probably speaking here, that in different times of their history, he would come and be there among them. But it could be speaking about Jesus' first coming, that he would come and be with them and visit them. But it also speaks about the future time in the end times and his second coming when he will come and he will make his sheep to be as if they were war horses and there would be those battles and, and these times of, 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 of battling um, the people that are coming against them, the nations that are coming against them. As I was looking at this portion here, again, it, it's kind of reminiscent again of the Maccabean times when, when the, the Jewish people, they rose up to fight against the enemies that were coming against them in, in, in about six or, or one, uh, 167 B.C. to about 160 B.C. when these battles were happening and, and the children of Israel were actually having victory after victory. And so some of these things could be reminiscent of that time before the first coming, but they will also be reminiscent of the later times uh, in his second coming. But he says in verse 4, from him comes the cornerstone, from him the pegs, uh, the tent peg, from him the battle bow, and from him every ruler uh, together. Um, the, 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 the essence here is that from him, from Judah, comes all these messianic promises. Because Judah was the one that was promised that the Messiah would come through back in Genesis uh, 49, where it says in verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his 
his feet until Shiloh comes and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And so every ruler of the nation of Israel uh, since David on, for the most part, until this writing here had been from the tribe of Judah because it was for David that this promise was made back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And it says, from him comes, or from Judah comes, the cornerstone, speaking of, 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 of Jesus being the main keystone, the main foundation where everything is built, the tent peg. Um, it's not so much talking about the, the smaller peg that, that went around the tent, but the main peg that, that held up the whole tent, which, which again spoke of, of the Messiah that, that, would, um, that, would, that would be carrying everything on him. The main tent peg was the one that held the tent up. And then the battle bow, he would be the victorious warrior that never loses a battle. The one that comes to the defense of his people at all times. The, the Lord of hosts, the Almighty. Uh, from him, every ruler um, shall come that proceed after him, and they no other ruler shall prevail against him in that sense. And though, so these images that we have in verse four are are uh, his strength, his stability, his his victories, his trustworthiness. Uh, all these are, are natures um, of the Messiah. And then it says in uh, verse five, they shall be like mighty men who tread down the enemies in the mire and the streets of battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them and the rider on the horses shall be put to shame. And again, uh, maybe possibly speaking about before Christ came and in those times of the Maccabeans that they would be out there fighting, having victory upon victory. Why? Because the Lord was their strength. The Lord was the one that was giving them the strength. They weren't fighting in their own strength. God told them. God promised them that he would come and visit them. God promised that he would come and be with them and he would give them the, the, the strength to be mighty men, to fight against the enemies that, are, that were coming against them. In verse 6, it says, I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I, ha I have mercy on them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them aside. For I am the Lord their God, and I will hear them. What I found fascinating about just that one verse is the word I is mentioned seven times in that verse, speaking about himself, that he, he is the one that strengthens. He is the one that saves. He is the one that brings back. He is the one that has mercy. He is the one that, 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 that will bring them. It will be as if he had never cast them out because he is the Lord. And I love this last part. He is the one that hears them. God, guys, he is the one that hears us. He, he is the one that when we were worshiping, he hears us. He, when we were praying, he is the one that, that hears us. If you didn't say anything out loud, he heard you still. The groans that you might have had, he heard that. He is the one who hears. And I love that about who he is. And I love the fact that he says, I will treat them as if they had never been gone before, as if they had never been set aside. And I, and I love that because oftentimes when people, you know, they fall away when, when, when they just haven't been doing what they should be doing. I tell them, hey, just pick up right where you left off. And they feel like they have to go to square one. It's like, no, man, just pick up as if you've never left. Just pick up right here and just move forward. 
because that's what God wants for us. Because again, he says, man, I, I will treat them as if they've never been gone. And so I love the fact that he does that. The, 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 the name Ephraim that we hear um, in these uh, passages has to do with the northern kingdom uh, because it was one of the northern tribes. He was uh, the, one of the sons of, of Joseph, him and Manasseh, and they were kind of involved, um, brought in uh, to the 12 tribes of Israel, and, they, and they were, they're mentioned quite a bit. I love that in verse 8. He says, I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them and they shall increase as one, uh, as, as they once increased. I, I was listening again to somebody who, who, who had been around some, some sheep, and they were talking about how these the shepherds, they can bring all their sheep into a fold, and they can mix the sheep together. And, and if the shepherd makes a sound, a hissing, a noise, uh, a, a, he, he makes some kind of sound, his sheep know that sound. And they can separate. The shepherds can, 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 can say or do whatever they do with a whistle, with a hiss, or whatever it is. And the sheep know his voice. And it just reminded me of, of Jesus when he says, my sheep, they know my voice. And when he whistles, when he makes a sign, when he makes a, 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 some kind of a, a tone that we should be and, and ought to know that voice. And that's what he's saying here. I will whistle. I will make a signal. I will make a, a sound. And my people will, will be gathered back to me. I will redeem them. I will, I will basically ransom them, rescue them, deliver them, regathering them. Um, and, and they will not only come together, but they shall increase as they once did before. Um, I, wa I want to read the last uh, few verses from 9 through 12 through the uh, New Living Translation. Again, when I'm studying, I'm, I'm reading different translations, and I just love this part, and uh, time is running out on us, so we'll, we'll read through this. He says in verse 9 through the New Living Translation, it says, Though I have scattered them like seed among the nations, I will still remember they will still remember me in distant lands. They and their children will survive and return again to Israel. I will bring them back from Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will resettle them in uh, Gilead and Lebanon until there is no more room for them at all. They will pass safely through the sea of distress. For the waves of the sea will be held back and the waters of the Nile will dry up. The pride of Assyria will be crushed and the rule of Egypt will end. By my power, I will make my people strong. And by my authority, I will go. Um, they will go wherever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken. Again, God promised the children of Israel through this young prophet, Zechariah, that he would gather them back. And again, throughout history, we have seen them be scattered and we've seen them come back in smaller numbers or in smaller situations, but in large situations as we saw in, in the 70 years that they were taken away and then they came back, a lot of them. And again, we saw that again in 70 AD when they were scattered once again in 1948. They were gathered again. 
Again, it's happened throughout the history of Israel in so many different ways, but God has always been faithful to them. He has brought them from the four corners of, of the earth. And, and the promise is that not only has he done that before, but he will do that again. He will gather them at the end before the millennial time. He will bring them back to their land. Again, so many are, are living all over the world, but one day, one day, the promise is that he will still be faithful to his people. He will bring them back because he loves them so much. And that, that last verse, again, in, in, the, in the Living Translation where he says, By my power, I will make my people strong. And by my authority, they will do whatever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken. And if he promises that to his people... He promises that to us as well, that he can make us strong. When we are weak, we are strong in him. If we put our trust in him, that he's the one that takes care of us. He is the one that sees us through every situation. He is the one that makes us strong. We, 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 we are in him, and if we are in him, that he, he is the one that takes care of all those things. And we just kind of go along for the ride. But I love the fact that he has asked us to ask. Guys, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know the struggles or the battles that you're in. But he, he's asked us to ask, to seek, to knock. And he's a good father. He really is. And he will give us exactly what we need. Again, in that scripture that I read to you in, in, in Luke, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, when he says, hey, ask, and I will give you my spirit. Amen? Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord. Father, as we see even this regathering that one day will occur finally, Lord, with the nation of Israel. Lord, we've seen it throughout history. We read about it, Lord God. We understand it, Lord. But one day, Lord, your word is still true, and it is still faithful, Lord. There's, there's portions that have been fulfilled, but there will be an ultimate fulfillment that you have promised to your people, Lord, and you will not go back on your promise. We're excited about that, Lord God, because we read about that and we understand, Lord God, that you will never let your people down. Oh, you've let your people go do whatever they want, but one of these days, Lord, you will bring them back. But I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, and the struggles and the battles that, that they, they have in their lives, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, whatever it is right now, Lord, you've, asked, you've called us to ask. And we're coming to you, Lord, asking, Lord God, that you would touch, that you would minister, that you'd give us your strength, Lord. You told us in your word, Lord God, that if we submit to you, you will give us your power as well. And that's what we need, Lord. We need all these things, Lord. I don't want to hold back, Lord God. Whatever you want to give me, Lord, I want it all. I want more. And so, Lord, please, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just, just fulfill your promise to us, Lord. That you fill us to overflowing. That we might be faithful to what you've called us to do. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing this last song.